Hey everybody, what's going on? This is your boy Alex Carigliano on Twitter, on Instagram. Find me everywhere at Seltzer underscore Poppy, affiliated with Mets Legends. That's right, you're listening to Mets Legends, and here I am with your boy Eric Ames. You. It sounded like you were signing off, like the very first thing you said. Sounded like you were ending the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I got excited. Like, all right, everybody, that's the show. (laughs) You were like, how do I start this off? I'm going to start by ending. They'll never see it coming. Well, because, you know, because Rob, he he starts the pod on a much more subdued type of tone. and, and And that's Rob. And I'm more of like a, I'm excited, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but not, not excited to not have Rob. Can I, can I try Rob? Can I try to do Rob? Give us your best Rob. Hit me with your best Rob. Uh, uh Let's start off by saying Rob is not here because he has some sort of stomach virus. He's having some sort of. Allegedly. Allegedly. And he asked Eric, will you fill in? And I was like, but okay, I guess. So yeah, Rob's on the IL. He's not game, you know, he's not a other guys going to the job every day, you know, <laughs> today's athletes okay. are too soft. I'm going to hit you with a Rob. All right. Give me mm. a Rob. What's going on, everybody? This is Rob Pearsall joined by my lovely co-host, Alex Carigliano Michelli. And this is the Mets Legends podcast. Eric, are you a that? regular listener? Do you have the, do you have his audio playing in your ears every Wednesday night? Well, seeing how, seeing as how I get paid to listen to every episode as the editor, yes. Because <laughs> like, like your voice wasn't dead on, but your cadence was perfect. Because I can't like, listen, when I, when I try to do an, like when I do my fake New York accent, it's, it's like zero or a hundred. And like Rob is, he's like in between Mm-hmm. He's like, what's going on, everybody? It's like kind of like that, but I, I can't. It's when I do a New York accent, it's either like, hey, yo, what's going on, everybody? But Rob doesn't sound like that, you know? Hey, yo, come on, yo, come on. It's your boy Rob, all right? It's Rob Pearsall, all right? Now, <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. Now, this is uh, uh, Alex, and uh, uh, my uh, my other co host that is filling in for me is. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, Eric, right? So, Eric, let me, uh, let me ask you a thing. Um, why uh, is the New York accent five, breaking your brain? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> what is happening? So, Eric, name five of your favorite bugs in descending mass order. Okay, I think I feel like last week was the last was the only time I've heard him do that to you, where he put you on the spot and asked you your five favorite chocolate bars. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it took five. It but took every week so he asked long. <laughs> it took forever. <laughs> I was like, guys, come on. I'm not a chocolate guy. Well, I like chocolate, you... but I'm not a chocolate. But then I proceeded to go, well, let me think of all the chocolate that I know in the world and narrow it down. Mm-hmm. It took me a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, ask what, are you, what are your top three current favorite beers as quickly as you can tell me? Uh, I like, I'm not going to name you like specific beers, but my favorite beer companies are Finback, which is located in Queens and they have a tap room in Brooklyn as well. Um, I love, 
can't remember the name. And how um, much can you I'm, love it? <laughs> uh, well, no, I really like it, but I'm trying to blink. Um, but the third one, this isn't really one of my favorites. But um, if you if you want to sponsor me, then you are my favorite. Uh, but I'm drinking a Five Burrows uh, Brewing Co. right now, the Winter IPA. I feel like it's it's really setting you off on one so far, as far as I can tell. Drownlands is the other one I was thinking of, and they're located in Warwick, New York, and they're fantastic. And I want to go to their um, tap room. It looks really cool. I haven't heard of any of those three, but maybe that's because I moved away from New York. Yeah, these are know, specifically before. New York beers. What are your favorites? My current favorites? Hmm. I've been drinking a lot of like lighter stuff just over the mm. last like year or so. Um, I had uh, Oktoberfest, like straight up Sam Adams. Usually yeah. an IPA guy, but I'm like, hmm, give me some Oktoberfest. I drank a lot of Corona last summer. I just like light, easy, but I'm drinking a uh, Sierra Nevada hazy, hazy little thing IPA right now. Hazy little thing. How many people yeah. do you think turned off this episode already? Just I think we we we've lost everyone. We've everyone. We've yeah. I'm I'm crunching the numbers and we've lost everyone. <laughs> the live feed. All right. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about the Hall of Fame? Let's start with the Hall. Thank you for okay. course correcting. Uh, yeah, let's start with the Hall, um, Eric. What do you think? So we were having a little pre-discussion before we started recording, and I was saying how, of course, on the night that Rob needs me to fill in for him, we're talking about the Hall of Fame results, which is just really not my forte, my strong suit. Mm -hmm. But it's okay, because Alex seems to know a lot about it. So we're just going to, it'll be, it'll be a little like, it'll be a teaching moment for me and for anyone else who might be listening. So all I really know is that a bunch of people were eligible like mm -hmm. every year and Scott Rowland is the only player that made it because he's the only one that hit the 75% of votes threshold. And a lot of people are outraged, especially about Todd Helton, which in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like Todd Helton is one of the, he's like the best Rocky of all time. And I just feel like someone, I don't know. We'll get into it. But I know a whole lot of people are pissed, which is my, which is my point. All right. Yeah. The, um, the Hall of Fame, it, it's really weird. Um, I, I, I'm a history teacher. I, I love history. I'm obsessed over history and the baseball hall of fame museum is a museum. It's a history museum and baseball is, is the one sport that is totally synonymous with a uh, kind of American history. And it's the, it's kind of like the one of the, of like the four major North American sports. It's really like the one that identifies with its own lore and history the most. Um, and I think it does that because it is, has the most waning popularity. Like it feels like all the other sports are kind of on the rise and baseball has kind of always been obsessed with its, with its history. And, you know, one fun result of that is that it does take it very, really seriously. And I, and I do think of all the hall of fames, the baseball hall of fame is kind of like the most revered. Do you think that's because it's just so old and baseball's been around for so long. I think that'll do it. Um, and I, you know, I'm not really super familiar with the hockey hall of fame. The basketball hall of fame is a joke. It just feels like anybody who was pretty good and popular gets in and they induct it's specifically the basketball hall of fame. So they induct like a lot of college players and 
whatnot as well. I like oh. the football process. The football process is really cool because they usually announce it right around the time of the Super Bowl and they have a Hall of Fame committee and they announce who all um, of the people who are in the running are and they're always like huge players of note and they take some contemporary, some like in the older eras and then they narrow it down to five and then they announce and those five are the ones who get in and it's always going to be five. Whereas baseball, you have a bunch of writers who huff their own farts for a living and they get all self-righteous and then you have years where they just don't elect anybody because they don't think anyone's hall worthy and that kind of sucks. And not only do they not vote sometimes for people who they don't think are hall worthy, but because of the fact that the initial hall of fame class didn't have anybody who was unanimously selected, which makes sense because even though in the initial hall of fame class, you had people like Honus Wagner Babe Ruth, ever hear of him? Who mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, doesn't ring a bell. The candy bar. I don't know, really know. <laughs> um, but the guys who were obviously in baseball circles, like, yeah, that that guy's the best. Or, you know, like, oh, a legend. Obviously, it was pretty contemporary when they were first inducted. So you have people who who aren't huge fans. I'm sure not everyone outside of New York loved Babe Ruth. He was kind of not exactly a gentleman and it was like more regarded <laughs> as a gentleman sport. Well, I mean, he was, he, you know, he smoked cigars, eating hot dogs. He, um, famously Hey, what's wrong out. with smoking cigars and eating hot dogs? I mean, come, you're not going to look me in the eyes and tell me it's not cool. But some of these more classically, uh, reserved dudes were like, this guy, he's not a, a gentleman. He's really does great in the sport. It was a long time ago. Um, it was a long time ago. So he wasn't unanimous. And so just because of that one precedent, you have all of these writers who go, well, yeah, no, this guy's a Hall of Famer, but I'm not going to vote for him in his first go around. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. And it just creates this weird discrepancy where like, writers know that someone's like clearly Hall of Fame worthy, but they'll just withhold their vote for no reason. They're going to get in anyway, and they would probably vote for them on the next ballot, but not going to vote for them on the first ballot. So you have this weird situation where Mariano Rivera, who is deserving because he's the greatest closer of all time, someone who's the best at their position, and not only the best, but like so dominant, deserves to get in unanimously. But him being the first unanimous Hall of Famer is kind of weird especially as a closer because you don't have a lot of relievers and i'm kind of rambling a little bit it's okay but it's just like a weird it's really weird how how it's done and so you have this thing so first of all the rules of the hall of fame you're not eligible you're not eligible to be on the ballot until you've been retired for five seasons it has to have been five seasons since you've played your last game after that once you are eligible, doesn't mean you're automatically on the ballot. The Hall of Fame committee will elect to put you on the ballot. So, question. Yes. So is that why a few months ago, there was a lot of Hall of Fame talk where all the writers, so they were submitting their ballots mm-hmm. for, I know about this because um, Mark Gooden on Twitter always posts a fake ballot that enrages everyone because he always only votes for like, Kurt Schilling or something. <laughs> um, so is that the is that the pre vote that you're talking that you're talking about? 
No, it's not a pre-vote. Um, the committee to, itself yeah. is different. It's like people who are like in the Hall of Fame, as well as like other like high-ranking baseball writers or something historians who are on that committee who will decide who's going to be on the ballot. So, for example, next year, and this is our first topic, f- there are fourteen new players. Um, who will be eligible for the Hall of Fame for the first time next year in the 2024 ballot. One of those players is Adrian Beltre, who retired with 3,100 hits. Is It's pretty good. Yeah, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's probably a first ballot guy. He'll probably get over 90%. He's, he's, he's great. He was everyone very loves popular. him too. He's, everyone loves him. He's very popular. That's usually going to win you some votes with the writers. I can imagine him be, going in unanimously, but someone's probably going to huff around far enough to go, no. Um, <laughs> someone else who's two other guys you might be familiar with, um, especially if you listen to Mets Legends, are David Wright and Jose Reyes. So it's like 14 total. Doesn't mean that only 14 guys played their last game five years ago, but these are the guys of note. So other guys on the ballot, Chase Utley. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Um... Mike Napoli, other players you might be familiar with. Big Sexy? And big Sexy is on, the, is on it for the first time, too. Big Poppy. That, not Big Poppy. Big Sexy. Oh, Bartolo my Colon. God. I'm so sorry. Just what is going that on? Out, cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. Are you a Red Sox out. fan? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Although I've sounded like one. I used to be sympathetic to the Sox because they hated the Sox. Yankees and they didn't win for a long time. And the Mets famously haven't won for a long time. So I'm like, oh, good. But now they're winners. So but maybe not how, right now. How hilarious slash pathetic. Actually, hold on, I'm going to pose you a question. What percent hilarious versus percent pathetic is it when the Mets and Red Sox are playing each other and they start a Yankee suck, Yankee? I mean, like, it's got to be more pathetic than hilarious, right? It's so pathetic. <laughs> I, Eric, I hate that. It's so embarrassing. I'm a, sometimes it happens when the Mets aren't playing the Red Sox. Sometimes, it ha- sometimes you're at a Mets game and you're walking down, like, all the ramps to get out of the stadium and people are just chanting, Yankees suck. Or, no, no, even worse, even worse, they're chanting, and we could censor this, we could censor this. Um, but they're chanting, fuck the Yankees. And I'm just like, there are kids here that it's like, it's like, I'm not someone who goes around going, but the kids, you can't say that teacher, the kids. I am a teacher, but I will swear in front of them too. Sometimes. Yeah. Those little fuckers, (laughs) but it's weird to just scream that, especially when the Yankees aren't there. And even even if the Yankees are there, don't say fuck the Yankees. It's, it's obscene. It's so stupid. I have a story for you before we continue on the Hall of Fame. Go on. Okay. Uh, When I was a kid, used to be a huge Jets fan. My dad is still a huge Jets fan. I just, football, I just fizzled out. I don't love it. Baseball is the only sport I actually care about. But for a long time, my dad had season tickets that he like split with some people. So we would go to two home games a year. And the first season I went, I was six years old. We were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, and at some point, I was in the bathroom, and I was just, it's like I was at the urinal, my dad was washing his hands already. Like, we weren't right next to each other, but we were still in the bathroom together, and there were just, like, these guys arguing and cursing at each other about sports, and, like, 
I remember I was like standing at the urinal, like the tiny little kid urinal. And like, I let go of what I was doing and put my hands over my ears while I was peeing. And I went, stop, I'm only six. I'm only six. Because they were all cursing at each other over the football game. (laughs) So did they then proceed to drag you into the toilet stall and give you a swirly and call you a nerd? I don't think anyone heard me. <laughs> I just don't think any, my, except for my dad. My dad was like, all right, we're getting out of here. So. <laughs> all right, dad, it's time to go. Okay. Thirst so a lollipop. <laughs> 14, 14 players next year. 14 three, players. Three former Mets. So the big topic is, is David Wright um, probably the greatest Mets position player of all time? Debatable with some diehards, but he's he's in the top two, um, top three, I guess. Is David Wright, who is eligible next year, Hall of Fame worthy? You want an answer? Give me an answer. No. That's yeah. my that's my gut response, and like I said, I'm someone who doesn't really I don't really follow this. I just kind of follow the outrage that. Um, succeeds every vote every year yeah but i'm under the impression that david as much as he's like our captain america he just didn't play enough right isn't that kind of what people like he just didn't sustain greatness for long enough to be considered he just didn't play enough so um there's a there's a metric that a lot of um hall of fame writers use today it's um it's talked about a lot in among the baseball like writer community, especially when they're because you know baseball's obsessed with stats now. Kind of the world is obsessed with stats. So there's this one stat called Jaws. It is Jaws. Uh, Jaws. It is created by Jay Jaffe. Um, it is, and it's his WAR system. So we know about WAR. It's wins above replacement. That's kind of become pretty mainstream. So, and I'll just read this straight from Baseball Reference. Um. It's a, it's a it's a it's a stat to measure a player's Hall of Fame worthiness. A player's Jaws is the career WAR averaged with their seven-year peak WAR. Um, note that only batting or pitching WAR are used in determining the averages at a given position. The current Hall of Famers are then grouped by position, and a position average Jaws is computed. So for some positions, the averages are skewed due to a lack of players at that position. So overall Hall of Fame average hitters are added to the positions average until the total count of actual and average players matches that of the most inducted position, which is right field. Right field has the most um, positions really? in the Hall of Fame. Yes. I think next is like first base. Uh, so one of the weird ones is that there's not a lot of third basemen in the Hall of Fame. That's because Brett Beatty hasn't been retired for five seasons yet. Yeah, it's because Brett Beatty hasn't been retired for five seasons yet. Um, and and I, just, I think it's like shortstops are revered, so they usually get in. They're allowed to have like worse offensive numbers. People are like, oh, well, you know, they, uh, they, go, they play harder. Um, the defense. Yeah, the defense. Um, so something you mentioned uh, before mm-hmm. we started recording was that they do that average with the seven-year peak to kind of like level out guys. Like you mentioned Jamie Moyer, who Mm -hmm. played for 
I think he played for 59 seasons. Um, it was something like that. Don't quote me. It was either 58 or 59. I can't remember. But I mean, he 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 played forever. So it's kind of like, oh my God, Jamie Moyer has, you know, so many strikeouts, you know. He has so many of this. His stats are so big. That's just because he played fucking ever, you know? Yeah, he had, he, I think he, uh, I think he played for like 59 years, probably was in the bullpen a little bit and then started like 22 years or something. So he has like 240 wins. But yeah, so the, it takes in that seven year peak because it tries to separate those stat compilers from someone who at one point in the game was actually truly dominant among the best in the league. So, and it's fun that on the on the MLB.com, it uses Chipper Jones' his election in 2018 as an example, which is great because he's a third baseman. So, the Hall of Fame, um, prior to Chipper Jones, and I think he was the last third baseman before uh, Scott Rowland was just put in to get into the Hall of Fame. So, the Hall of Fame had just 13 third basemen ever in the history of baseball Wow! in the Hall of Fame before Chipper Jones. So, he's 14 which means that uh, Scott Rowland is number 15. 15 total third basemen. So um, that compared to 24 right fielders. So accordingly, the positional group used to generate the average jaws, which is 55.2. The average jaws of a, of a baseball player is 55.2 among Hall of Fame third basemen. Um, included those 13 hot corner men and 11 Hall of Fame quote, Hall of Fame average position players. Jones himself amassed 85 war over his career, and he had like a 20-year career, and 46.6 war during his seven most productive seasons. So his seven-year peak um, based on war. So that, the 46 averages with the 85, and it comes out with 65.8. So he's like 10 points above. He's like 10 points above the average which is great. And so, so he deserves to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So he deserves to be in. And we, we saw with our own eyes, he, the guy was incredible. So unfortunately, unfortunately he named his, he named his damn kid. Shay. It's so it feels like a giant F you. That's pretty good. I mean, that that's pretty good. <laughs> it's an awesome troll job. Yeah. It's really, truly heinous. And I love it. <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So you think about the 55.2, um, so, like, what's funny is the the third baseman with the lowest Jaws number is uh, Ken. No, not Ken. Uh, where's Where's the guy? Oh, home. Run, the guy's name is Home Run Baker, which must have been pretty good. Uh, he played from 1908 through 1922. He's the lowest Jaws of any third baseman, and it's 54.8. Now, the thing about oh. the third baseman is that since it, there's so few, it's going to be skewed higher, right? It seems like people just wait until for the truly elite guys to put them into the hall. So some of the names, right? Then one of the most jaws is Mike Schmidt, uh, Hall Oof. of Fame, uh, third baseman from the Phillies, probably the best ever. And then you have Eddie 82. Matthews. Yeah, 82. incredible. 8. Yeah, he had um, this seven-year peak of 58.8, and his total war was 106.8. Yeah, it's pretty that's good. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and then Eddie Matthews, Wade Boggs. Next, number four, which is why he's definitely going to get in next year, is Adrian Beltre with 71.1. And then you have George Brett, Chipper Jones is number six. And a lot of familiar guys. Brooks Robinson, Ron Santos, Paul Molitor, Scott Rowland is number 10. 
And then he's above Edgar Martinez, who's really a DH. Mm. Yep. And so that's all those guys. And, um, and you got to keep going down. And so David what number Wright, is David? <laughs> David Wright is number 26 all time with 44.3. Now it's going to come down lower because of the fact that he had a shorter total career. So his total war, according to baseball reference uh, with fan graphs, it's a little bit higher. Uh, baseball reference is 49.2. Now, so here's where I'm going to make my case for David Wright. I, me, myself, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but I think he deserves to be in the conversation and maybe the conversation will evolve over the next few years. If he could just clear mm-hmm. the 5%, which I think is reasonable, then he could remain on the ballot and people could keep talking about him. And as they talk about him, it could you know, change. So I'm going to change the, the rankings from Jaws to I want to rank it by War 7. Oh, okay, yep. Which so I David moves up to to, uh, to 22nd place. So he only moved up four spots, but that does put him, <clears throat> excuse me, that does put him over a few other Hall of Famers, like uh, a bunch of guys I don't know. John McGraw and Jimmy Collins. Did you just do that? I did, yeah. It's, uh, we're... <laughs> Alex and I are both looking on separate screens at okay, baseball yeah, because my computer froze for a second, so it took me a while for that to come up. Yeah, uh, yeah, you sort by War Seven. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so he's at twenty-two. So he's and in the things he's behind active players, Josh Donaldson and Evan Longoria, who are definitely not Hall of Famers. You could maybe make a case for Evan Longoria, but it's not a strong case. You also have um, Nolan Arenado and Manny Machado above David on that list. And not only are they still active, but they're both going to be playing for, I I mean, if they stay healthy, what, six, seven, eight more seasons maybe? Yeah. And, and usually you measure a guy's Hall of Fame worthiness with who were the other guys at his position at the time. So his career did intersect with Nolan Arenado and Adrian Beltre and Manny Machado and, you know, and those guys are better. You know, it would help David's case if the baseball writers would take into account how many seasons David was considered the hottest player on the team by mm. all the female or gay male fans of the team. I don't know why I said it like that. Anyone who thinks dudes are hot <laughs> is most of my point. Yeah, or even just like dudes, you know, a lot of bros be like, oh yeah, but like David Wright, like us right now. Right, exactly. That's why I'm like, why did I phrase it like that? Like, I think David's <laughs> hot, whatever. He's very hot. My, my sister loves him. A lot of so sisters were, love him. If they were to consider that, I mean, he would have a better shot. Oh yeah. But unfortunately, um, hotness peak, seven year heat peak. It's not, <laughs> it's not a statistic that they, uh, they look at. Yeah. So, you know, David Wright, I want him to be remain in the conversation, but he's, we've exasperated this part. He's, he's not a Hall of He's a Mets Hall of Famer and he'll have his For number sure. retired. Just depends on how soon. And it, it just sucks. It's po- yeah. It's possible that they want to wait until there's a possible, like number retirement, it's possible they'll wait to see what his Hall of Fame case is, you know, because a lot of times you wait until like someone gets in the hall. 
So maybe they, if he's like on the ballot for a while, it's possible it gets dragged out. Um, but you know, if he's off after that first year, because you know, it happens. Johan Santana, who I think is a Hall of Famer, and I could look it up at another time. He, he was off after the first year. He didn't clear that five percent threshold. The guy had two Cy Young awards, probably deserved one more, and he had an incredible, crazy peak. And then he also threw a no hitter for the Mets. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the career length because he got hurt with the Mets famously. Yeah. But he had a pretty remarkable peak. Like Sandy Koufax didn't pitch for a long time. And this is why I think something like Jaws is, is considered because he had a very short career, but everyone knows that, oh yeah, that guy was dominant. Yeah. I mean, it just, it sucks talking about, um, players like uh david and like johan because you know it's not like with david's with david as an example like it wasn't his fault that he just got hurt and it yeah it sucked and it you know it hurts to say like he's not a hall of famer because you know how many how many people had him as like his as their favorite player for so long because he was good because he was good yeah, I mean, it, it. You know, you, there's people who like you paint as like injury prone guys. It's like, oh man, that guy just can't stay healthy. But he, you know, he had a unique case where he had like that collision with Carlos Lee, and where he like that's when he first like fractured his back, and everyone kind of points to that moment as like the the downfall of his career, and that kind of sucks. That was a bang bang play where he was playing really hard, and then that was it. Yeah. So, what about Jose Reyes? Jose Reyes is not a Hall of Famer. He, <laughs> he's gonna get in the Mets Hall of Fame. Uh, do I have to? I'm not even gonna look him up. He's he. You know, like there's other guys who are better. He had, his last good season was his last season with the Mets, where he had a, he sat out after his first at bat um, because he had bunted on for a hit and secured the batting title, and then went on to sign with the. Marlins, who then subsequently traded him to the Rockies because they are no to Toronto because they are the worst right. franchise. <laughs> yeah, was it in our group text? Was it literally Rob who got so mad about Jose Reyes? He was like, oh, I hate, oh, God damn it, he's not. Oh, I hate Jose Reyes. Or was that yeah, you? And you know what? No, I mean both of us. Uh, to anyone who's not okay. listened to, because he's still wildly popular among the Mets. They famously um, had him in the field at shortstop when David Wright played his last game because of one of those guys to go out together. Uh, you know, the, we had we had the great chant, Jose, 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 <laughs> oh, and I would cry and scream that, and it was like it was so great. good. Yeah. Um, but the dude, like, the dude got arrested for like domestic like violence. You know, mm-hmm. he, that guy sucks. Like, the, like I'm, I don't know. There's no like you. You can't have that explained away to me. That just that just sucks. I mean, the um, not literally funny, but funny part about this whole thing is that, like we said earlier, the other person, the other Mets player um, on the ballot for next year is Bartolo Colon, who also mm. seems to be another shitty person. Oh, yeah. He was, like, he got in trouble for that one time, too, right? Or... You no, know, he had, like, um, 
this is just what I've read. I don't, obviously I don't know the details. I don't know the guy, but some sort of like second family situation. Oh. He had like an entire secret family. People talk about it on Twitter. So it's just don't meet your heroes, kids. Oh, wow. You know, I have a friend. I'm not going to name him because that would be terrible. But he oh, is a junior and he found out like my senior year of high school, our senior year of high school, that his father had a second fa- a, a, a secret second family. Oof. And that'll mess someone up. Yeah, that's terrible. It's not, it's not a good thing to do. So, I mean, not that it's relevant to the conversation about like <laughs> stats. It's just like we should. I guess we just feel the need to point out when people have been terrible at some. Yeah, point. And I don't know if that's one of those things that's like taboo enough to like cancel. Mm. I hate that term, but like to athletes don't to get, get canceled though. Is the yeah. thing. They don't like they don't like Trevor Bauer is the closest. I feel like we've come at least with baseball players. And even he true. just has so many people on Twitter. Innocent. He, he wasn't proven guilty, bro. He, he's technically innocent. And it's like, it doesn't you just, make him a fine person. And you just know that there's going to be a team out there that's struggling in like June or July and they need a starting pitcher and they will sign Trevor Bauer. It'll happen. It always happens. That's what happens. Yep. We see it all the time in every sport and it sucks. But can we rewind a second before the Mm -hmm. Mets Hall of Famers? What about this? We can, we can do this briefly, but this aside from Scott Rowland, the other people who didn't make it because Todd Helton was he had like 73 percent 72.2 percent of the vote and which means he didn't make it and a lot of people flipped billy wagner too like what todd helton and billy wagner didn't make the hall of fame see this and like this was so unique about this class because none of these guys have ever been like the best in the league you know that i kind of kind of like and writers have historically struggled with closers because they only pitch one inning but in my head it's like but this is a position like we we we've labeled this this relief pitcher like they have a name and it's closer you know they're not just relief pitchers there's like a they specific a role that they separate. play and he has the most strikeouts per nine innings of any like uh, reliever in, of any pitcher in history I'm pretty sure like over like whatever amount of innings to qualify he's known as the greatest left-handed um, relief pitcher closer of all time. Uh, over 400 saves is the most career le- uh, saves as a left-hander and like number four all time, I think. And, yeah, I mean, and people are struggling with his case. What's up now, with that? Let me ask you, you know, you said earlier you used um, the phrase, these writers like to quote, huff their own farts. <laughs> yes. Yes. As in um, they are extremely, I don't know, pompous, yeah. uh, full of themselves, think they're hot shit. But aside from that, do you think a part of it is like the writers association just has antiquated views on like what matters? Cause you, cause you called out the stat, uh, strikeouts per nine innings. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that sounds like something that an old head would be like, I don't need to, don't even tell me about strikeouts per nine innings. Like how many wins does he have? Oh, he yeah. only has seven. Cause he's a closing pitcher. He's not getting in the hall of fame. Sonny boy. 
Yeah, the, these guys like Jim Palmer used to pitch tw- tw- twelve innings a game, and this guy <laughs> pitched one inning, uh, and he he's a Hall of Famer. What a sissy! Yeah, like you sh- you show his stats to Walter Johnson, and he'll laugh in your face. I'm like, no, he'll be bones, and right. he'll be bones in my face because he's bones. <laughs> so do do you think that plays a role? Do do you think their like their mindset about the whole I, thing is just antiquated? I think it plays a role. I think it's also the fact that there's no like explicit guidelines. It's pretty mm-hmm. much like, uh, is this person? I, I don't know what there's like. There is like a certain guideline, but it's va- it's intentionally vague so that the writers could interpret it their own way. But it's pretty much as long as you uphold like this the character standards of Major League Baseball, and you know, we're great, like you're Hall of Fame worthy, which is why some of these guys connected to like PEDs, they, they'll get looped into that whole like character clause. And it's why someone like Kurt Schilling, who I still think his Hall of Fame case was borderline anyway, because I don't think mm-hmm. he was ever considered like the best. But you look at like his Jaws numbers and he matches up. So, but he's he's a, he's a piece of garbage. Yep, <laughs> but like, but like, now do we want to get like political views into like the Hall of Fame thing too? Like me personally, I, I hate the guy. Like, I hate the guy, but he's never like also like he's never been accused of like hitting his wife or having a second family, you know. And it's 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 just very weird because it's, it's weird. you're like, where do you draw the line? Because I mean, listen, it's so hard to talk about because it's like. Well, technically, like, you know, whether the guy's, like, the perfect spouse or whether he's abusive, it's like, well, it doesn't affect his stats. And it's like, yeah, but do you do you want to to give this, like, royal honor to someone who sucks? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where do, how do you even, how do you even do that? Like, how do you even figure that out? And this is a perfect transition point because the next thing on our list was uh, another guy who was on the hall on the ballot for the first time this year and secured, I'm not looking at it, the exact percentages, but it was around 46% in his first like go around is Carlos Beltran. Mm. So we brought up Todd Helton and, and Billy Wagner before. History tells us that guys who got to their threshold by the year that they did, who, who experienced jumps in percentages of votes that they did, get into the Hall of Fame. Jason Stark has a whole article on it on The Athletic. Um, they're probably going to get in next year. And they'll probably get in with Adrian Beltre and who knows else. It might just be those three and whoever the Veterans Committee select. But mm. considering this character clause, is Carlos Beltran a Hall of Famer? When he he was on that 2017 Astros team. Like, he was still an active player. He wasn't yes. yet coaching anything, right? He was not a coach. Okay. He yeah, was someone he, who he was a like lot a player of the players coach. looked at as, like, like a coach. Like, like pretty much mm-hmm. like a player coach because he was so influential in the clubhouse. And he really... he Carlos Baltron, for those of you who don't know, uh, center fielder, one of those guys who is regarded as being a, quote, five tool player five uh, being a five tool player means that you're a leader you you could run the base as well you're you're a great fielder you're a great hitter you hit home runs you're just an all-around great player there's no flaw in your game he didn't have any flaws in his game and he was a switch hitter 
And so with his stats, he's regarded as like one of the great, the greatest switch haters of all time. It's probably him and like um, Mickey Mantle, except Mickey Mantle um, had a crazier, better peak, but his career wasn't as as long as as Carlos Beltran. He probably wasn't considered five tools. But I'm not going to compare. I'm not here to compare the two, but. Uh, but you are. <laughs> but I but I just did. But if I'm looking at the Jaws metrics, right, comparing him to other center fielders, Beltran comes in at number nine. Um, really? And that's yeah, including no, all the current Hall of Fame center fielders. Yeah. So he's literally the only center. Uh, everyone above him is in the Hall of Fame, except for Mike Trout, who that's is still crazy. active. crazy. It's mm-hmm. crazy that... It's okay, so I'm gonna just read the top five. It's Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, Tris Speaker, who I don't know because I'm he too was young, in the, I guess. He was in the inaugural class along with okay. Ty Cobb. Gotcha. Uh, number four is Mickey Mantle, and then Mike Trout at number five, right above Griffey and DiMaggio. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. This is wild. And there's still some Hall of Famers below him, too. Richie Ashburn is number 12, Andrew, Andre Dawson, and then. Billy Hamilton, not that Billy Hamilton. Other Billy Hamilton. Yeah. And so under him is Kenny Lofton, who I've heard other writers express dismay over not being in. Mm. Um, he has a lower uh, seven-year peak. He's someone who I don't think was ever considered the best in the game. And then Andrew Jones, who is widely regarded as the greatest defending center fielder of all time. And he also has over 400 home runs or around that. Yeah, he hit his 400th with the Yankees. I, and you know what? I was always like, was he really that good of a center fielder? I feel like I don't remember him being like an excellent center fielder. I just remember him hitting bombs, but I was a kid when he was like at his peak. And I just watched like a highlight reel of, of his plays the other day. And holy crap, that dude. And he's also way up there and he should, he's going to get in probably in the next few years and he should be. It's, it's crazy that people don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, but yeah, looking at where he is at number 11 and where Beltran is at number nine. You would think right off, you know, looking at those numbers right there that he's a Hall of Famer. But you mentioned the 2017 Astros scandal. So famously, Major League Baseball, after everything came out about um, the Astros using trash cans, they, they had a center field camera to steal signs because the catcher delivers signs to the uh, people on base, uh, to, to the pitcher. And so, You're such a teacher. You're such, a, such teacher. a teacher. <laughs> so there's a camera in center field, and it would re- the footage would relay to the clubhouse, where someone in the clubhouse would then relay the signs to people in the dugout, and they would uh, bang on trash cans when there was like a fastball coming or when certain pitches are coming. And so players, knowing that a pitch was coming, when hearing the trash cans would and you could hear it and you watch clips from the world series they're using the trash cans and so like alex bregman and like george springer and um marisnik i think his name were like Mm -hmm. the greatest benefiters of that no one got in trouble or no players got in trouble uh players were granted um immunity from punishment if they testified like and cooperated with major league baseball and so the only two people who suffered any consequences was the general manager who I forget his name, Ludow, and then AJ Hinch, AJ Hinch. And they both got one year suspensions and they both landed with new clubs. And AJ Hinch is famously managing the Tigers right now. 
Oh, and Alex Cora with the Red Sox because they were doing the same thing, and he was the bench coach with the. Um, Astros oh, that's at right. The time. He was there too, and so mm-hmm. the point is that Carlos Beltran was like the ringleader because he was like the old, the oldest player, and like you said, so many people looked up to him. Yeah, he was. And he was like Carlos heavily Beltran. involved. Yeah, he he's he was he's very intelligent, and so he was known as someone who was great as at picking up signs while being on bases, which is not illegal and it's one of the oldest like tricks in baseball. It's it's something that's like a part of the game is being on the bases, being at second base, looking at the signs being delivered from the catcher and then using your own you know hand signals to relay it to the batter that you're stealing signs. And so which is on the pitcher to fix, right? Because yes. the pitcher and the catcher have to say Oh my God, he can he he figured out my signs and now he's relaying it to the batter. We got to change it up. So yeah, famously, not illegal pit- and very cool. Yeah, famously pitchers get docked, not docked, but like they they tip their pitches sometimes. This happened in the World Series just recently. Um, who was it? Someone with the 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 Astros. I can't remember his name. He, he's been with the Astros forever. He was on the 2017 team as well. But he was totally tipping his pitches, and he got lit up by the uh, Phillies. Um, yeah, I remember that. And I think like wasn't Bryce Harper like on second base, and he like tapped his head or something, and they were like, "He's cheating! He's cheating!" Yeah, I don't like, no, that's part of the were. game. Like, it's part right. of the game, and it just and so Carlos Beltran of all the players is the only one who actually suffered consequences because when this investigation came out, he had just been hired as the new manager of the Mets. And then when that came out, he was fired and then kind of blackballed from baseball because no one's hired him to be on a coaching staff since. Yeah. And I, this is something that has dismayed me. I love Carlos Beltran. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is fair because he's a, and no matter what, he's still a player. And I think you have to look at the organization for condoning this type of thing. You know, the fact that no one said, hey, guys, you got to stop this. That's a problem, and that has to be on like the manager. It's an organizational failure. It is. It's embarrassing, and I get it, right? So you have this character clause, and you already have people who don't want to, you know, get the people who have all the stats, the greatest baseball players of all time, like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, whom I hate, but you can't deny their excellence. They're not in the hall, right? Yeah. They they fell off the ballot after 10 years, they couldn't pass the 75% threshold and they're not in. Um, right now, Alex Rodriguez is on the ballot and he only got like 20-something percent, maybe 30-something percent. Who knows what's going to happen with him? But he actually got caught twice after steroids were banned from the sport. Like after there was like an actual written-in law thing in baseball saying no steroids and he got docked twice because he's an he, he's an idiot. <laughs> So uh, do you think, don't you just think that the fans should be able to choose? I think they deserve some type of say, you know, like I think the All-Star game did some really cool things recently because like, they're, they're weighing in player vote, but they also have like coaches and players um, and they kind of have like different like ranked tiers, like percentages, whatever, how much does this count towards whatever and it, it all factors. American Idol does the same thing, but no one cares about American Idol anymore. It's whoa, the worst whoa, way. <laughs> no. I don't know why uh, I brought it up. I don't know why I brought it up. I don't know why I brought it up, but yeah. Yeah, it would definitely have to be some sort of, I mean, like I was half kidding because just today on Twitter, 
I saw a fan list. I pulled it up of the like fan voted top second baseman. All right. Did you see this or or no? Oh, oh, like today, right? Today. Yeah. Because okay. Jose Altuve is ranked number one. Ozzy Albies is ranked number two, which is like kind of a joke. And Jeff McNeil is number three. So it's like, all right, you can't let the fans vote because they just vote for their players, which is, you know, we'd vote for David Wright. We'd be like, yeah, let him in, whatever. Yeah, the guy was great. He was Captain America. He had a home run in the World Baseball Classic. I've been uh, watching all the Marvel movies for the first time recently. And I was explaining to my girlfriend, Sarah, yesterday something that was happening in the movie I was watching at the time. And I referred to Captain America as Cap, because that's how they refer to him in the movies. And mm-hmm. she was like, did you just call Captain America Cap like he's your friend? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I did. He is my friend. Like, uh, yeah, uh, what's it to you? It's Cap. He's like my buddy. <laughs> but yeah, he's, fan vote. cool guy fan vote i wouldn't work either but yeah it you know it and you know and the thing is about the hall of fame too is have you ever been to the hall of fame i have not it's awesome i went two summers ago uh my father-in-law may he rest in peace um he kind of like planned this whole trip um my wife's like side of the family and we my got wife. Like an Airbnb. My wife uh, <laughs> in Cooperstown, and we went to the hall, and it's. I mean, it really is cool. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard because Cooperstown really is in the middle of nowhere. It's so. It's like a three-hour drive from where I am, and there's nothing around. And there's not a lot of service. Yeah. It, it's it's insane where it's located, but it's an awesome, beautiful town. There's a really cool baseball field there too. There'll be a lot of little league teams that travel there that'll play each other. We were just like sitting in the stands watching this game. Um, and Samson, my dog, was with us too. But the hall is awesome. The thing about the hall is you're voting on like players to get like certain plaques in that specific part of the hall where they're like honor the inductees. But then the rest of it is a museum. You know, so like you have players, uh, you know, prominent moments in baseball that are featured in the hall that include players who were never elected, you know, Mm. and they have really cool sections that like you go through it and it'll be like, do it by the eras of baseball. And then they have like all these like built in clips, you know, the famous ones like, um, what was it? The George Brett, uh, home run or the the pine tar home run where uh, the dude hits the home run and then they, they measure his bat and he has like too much pine tar like on his bat it's like it's uh, more yeah. than the length of the of home plate and he's just freaking out you know all the all those like classic scenes the the, the post 9-11 home run with mike piazza i mean it's everything yeah. and it if you're a I museum person i'm a museum you're, person you're a history buff you're a nerd you're a teacher I have a short attention span. I would probably be bored. <laughs> but <laughs> Alex is making a face. He just looks so disappointed in me for saying that. If you can go, go. Uh, you know, I'm a nerd, but if you like baseball, this type of thing does appeal to you. It is something that I think it totally hooks you in. Yeah. You know what I like? What do you like? I like the Mets. All right. Controversial, and, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
how can you be so brave to say that? So I was, I was just trying, I was attempting to segue into these topics that Rob kind of sent to us before we did the episode. Right. I had to move again on the charger and I left my phone across the room. I got him. First, okay, we're we're making great time. We're only fifty two minutes in talking about the Hall of Fame. <laughs> we hit, we hit the two the, the top two points out of the four that Rob gave us. That's true, and it is the off season, so like, yeah, it's not like there's any pressing Mets news. But we were thinking of talking about two young players on the Mets mm. team and kind of what their twenty twenty three season might be like, starting with Francisco Alvarez. What do you think? What do you? Where do you think he starts the year? What do you think his role is? James McCann is James McGon, and we signed Omar Narvaez. So it's like we got Narvaez and Nito, and we have Alvarez, the kid. What do you think they do with him? So I definitely want to. I think we definitely should bring this back up when we have Jack Ramsey on. Jack Ramsey was just uh, brought on to the Mets Legends team. He is someone who's very engaged with the minors. Like I only have things from like, I only know what other people have said about these guys. And I saw, um, I, I saw um, my boy Francisco Alvarez's like first career home run, like in person. And it was awesome. And it was electric. And I'm a huge, you were fan. the only person there. I was the only, <laughs> it was just me <laughs> in the stadium and I was <laughs> naked. And why he gets up to, he gets up to bat and he and he's holding a bat and he swings and he hits it and instead of running to this is a true story um, instead of r- rounding the bases he looks at me and everything turns black right it's all black around us and it's just him looking at me and he takes his um, his baseball jersey and he starts unbuttoning the top and I'm like what's he's, what's this guy doing and then he opens up his shirt and a bunch of rose petals fly out at me I'm gonna have to remind you that he's like twenty. <laughs> you 30 year old freak so this really is an american beauty situation <laughs> weird Hutch. movie yeah yeah um i i i'm a big fan of francisco Alvarez. I, it's it's interesting just right off the bat i look at the two contracts that were handed out because they extended nito he's he's on contract for this year and next year same like this navayas so and according to, um, I subscribe to Baseball Prospectus, and according to them, they see Kevin Parada, who's the newest Mets um, prospect that made the top 100 list. He, they drafted him last year. He was, another he had catcher. Four years in, he had another catcher, four years in college. Typically, these college guys have a faster track to the uh, major leagues because um, they've been playing more at like a higher level, level and they're older, too. Um like Conforto was only in the minors for like a year uh, before he got into broke through the majors. So a lot of people think that Kevin Parada could be ready by like 2024. Um, Francisco Alvarez, he's his bat is ready now. They want to see him more at AAA. Billy Epler's quote as saying he 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 really believes in the process of having people at AAA and being in that um that level of competition. But I think his bat is ready now, and they just want to see how good his glove is. I think Omar Navaez, who's also Venezuelan, who's improved a lot with his pitch framing and everything else, and is really lauded among like other players in the Brewers organization as being very influential. That seems kind of intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer both said that 
they, they think that he's a really great student and that he cares about the way the game is going uh, because he caught both of them in their rehab stints last year. Um, so you think Alvarez starts in AAA? I think he starts in AAA. Um, like, unless he has like a Pete Alonso type of 2019 spring training where they kind of have oh, no yeah. choice but to bring him into the lineup. Because I just- think... I think it's, it's proven hairy. that if he, yeah, if he makes it hard for them, they will put him in. Like if it's like, oh shit, this guy's ready to compete now. But I think he starts in AAA, and I think Brett Beatty might actually have a more likely chance. But I think he starts in AAA too, and maybe you see Mark Vientos on the roster. Interesting. Okay, so I was. It's it's just a frustrating situation because, like you said, like Alvarez, his bat is at a place where. If he wasn't a catcher, if he was just a- literally any other position and he was like competent, they'd be like, yeah, obviously he's going to start um, in the show. And, you know, we'll just like, you know, he can hit. The kid can hit. And it's like catchers are just so specific and they need such a specific skill set that, you know, obviously it's best honed in AAA. But it's like, you know, people on Twitter are like, his bat's going to be rotting in AAA. And it's like, it's it's a trade-off, right? Because you're either wasting his bat, not having it in the majors, but you're like, okay, well, we're letting his catching skills develop, his framing, his game calling, all that, all the very important stuff that catchers have to deal with. And it's like, okay, but the flip side is that, sure, you bring him up to the majors to start the year and he can hit, but then he sucks at playing catcher defensively and he does not have a chance to grow or learn or get better at all because he's in the fire and so i think for me it makes the way i look at it is like his bat's not gonna get worse in triple a like his bat's not gonna regress in triple a but his defense will improve and he'll probably come up at some point and yeah yeah um and once again, I think the timeline is very interesting too because they did sign the two catchers for two years. So there's no like immediate hole that they'll have to fill and they have another guy behind him. So the way I'm seeing it, I think they're really trying to like burn the candle at both ends because there's a guy named Shohei Otani who's available um, potentially. They don't have a deep farm system, so everything would be top-heavy. Someone like Otani would only be available... Um, for top prospects, you mean for a trade before he's for a, free a trade agent for at a the trade? End of this year. Yeah, and I'm not a I, me personally. I'd rather I want a prospect hoard because the Mets aren't deep at that, and we need sustainability. And literally, like our entire starting lineup are like starting twenty five are like all guys who are signed free agent contracts, and then they could leave. And mm-hmm. if you can't. It, they don't want to spend four hundred million every year. They just—they're not going to do that. They're not. I want them to. I would love it. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's it. not my money. But they're not going to do that. They want to play it like the Dodgers. Usually, these teams have a cycle of like three years, so that um, after three years of being above the cap like that, they could then reset the penalties by getting under again. So I think that's what they'll want to do. So you, you kind of have two options. You could play out the two years with Omar Nevarez, and then. Uh, Tomas Nito and maybe at the end of those two years you could re-sign Nito and maybe Parada and this is like if they decide to trade Francisco Alvarez if you trade him because you have depth now at catcher 
then at the end of those two years, if Nevaez and Nito are fine, Kevin Parada could be like ready to take the mantle. Which I I'm so emotionally invested in Francisco Alvarez now. Like I don't know Kevin Parada yet because he's new. I don't even know what he looks like. He looks like um, he kind of looks like a white guy in PC. Mm. Like he just it just <laughs> looks like a guy, a white guy. But I'm like, do not trade Francisco Alvarez, man. I want to see what I I just he's probably going to be good, and I want to. Be I want to see. Us. It. I think he's going to be like a Salvador Perez type of guy. Salvador Salvador Perez recently hit 40 home runs. You know, like two years yeah. in a row. Yeah, this guy hits. I mean, I, we just got to see him in the yeah. And it, but it's just, it'll it'll be a situation like you know well, well this is the thing too right catchers get hurt it's very common we famously had to throw out I can't I can't remember his name and that might be even a good thing but back in 2021 McCann and Nito were both hurt at one point like Luduka when we had him he was hurt all of our catching depth was hurt and we had to throw on like a fifth ranked guy in the organization because mm-hmm. there was nobody you know it's yeah. very fickle people get hurt so I mean there's the thing with like these prospects is baseball is a rhythmic sport and if you're not out there every day or four days in a week you're not going to find that rhythm and you're going to struggle I still hold firm that Darren Ruff is better than what he showed last year I'm not going to say he's going to be great and he might just suck anyway and it might be it he is like 38 now but when you're not out there every day and you're like you know, you're the right-handed DH, and you're waiting to hit play against a left-handed pitcher, and you go like a solid week and a half stretch without going up against a left-handed pitcher, or maybe you have the stray, you know, left-handed closer. And it's like, all right, go out there, go out against their best arm, go win, win the game. Yeah, yeah, to win the game, it's like Jesus Christ. What do you want me to do? Hard, right? I don't want that for him. But if like one of our catchers gets hurt, and you have to put him out there, like two, three days in a week, that's a way he could get reps. It sucks because he's a catcher, right? He's not going to be someone like even Brett Beatty, like once it's time for him to go, if they decide, yeah, we could throw him out there, they could have him at third base every day. And that'll be his position and he'll just get the reps. Um, it's really the only way to have sustained success. You have to be the starter. Otherwise, it's just going to be really hard. You know, so we'll see. You know who comes to mind talking about that, talking about the necessary, uh, continuous, reoccurring, consistent reps is Dom Smith. And yeah. I am so happy he's on a new team now. Not because I hate him, not because, oh, I think he sucks, because I love him. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's been one of my favorite players, and it, was, it really sucked watching him struggle. So I'm like, okay, even though he's not on our team because, you know, Pete is there, at first base, it's like I'm so happy Dom is going to a place. It's a, it's a one year deal, right, with the Nationals. Yeah, I think it's so a it's one like year deal. Make a few million bucks, play every day. Hopefully, show that with consistent play, you are this player we saw in 2019, especially 2020. And then you know, go sign a a bigger deal with uh, a real team. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, best case scenario too. Let's say the national, like, let's say he's great. Like, he just puts it all together. He has a 2020 like season, except now he's playing first base every day. So his defense will look better, too. And then you have a team that's, you know, competing like the Brewers or something. 
and they need a bat and then they trade for him and then he mm-hmm. could like show out for them, you know, and then parlay that into a big free agent deal. You know, like I would love that for him. He was never going to get that with the Mets. He Famous hard situation too. Like when he was in AAA with the Mets, like remember, remember when the AAA affiliate with the, for the Mets was in Vegas? Oh yeah. For so long. Yeah. And so not only was it just horrible for measuring like hitters because the ball just flew in Vegas, which is why I also never want, I never want there to be a major league team in Vegas. It would just be dumb. Um, but also but there's like, going to be, but maybe, um, major uh, minor league players famously don't get paid a lot and don't get great housing. And also like he's so far away from the Mets affiliate. It's hard to be ready to be like, all right, we got to put you on a flight from Vegas to wherever the Mets are. So like, I remember he talked about like how he gained a lot of weight while he was out there because he was, they always played like later. And so he always had to get like fast food like all the time. And so he just like kind of gained a lot of weight while he was out there. It's hard. It was hard to, kind of be um, more balanced, I guess, or uh, there's a word I'm looking for. I can't think of it. It is, it is 11 o'clock where I am. <laughs> 11, it's 1121 20. actually. 21. I'm thriving. It's only 821 here. I'm I wide awake, baby. Northwest. All right. Well, let's just real quick. Beatty. Yeah. I think I, I have the opposite feeling as you. I think Beatty has a nice spring training and I think he starts with the team as a, you know, a platoon, a backup, plays sometimes with Escobar and gets a little mentorship. And I, I really, I really think Beatty's going to be a good player. I'm just, I'm just hoping, I mean, based on what we saw, but dude, I was freaking out when he hit that home run in his first at bat. Always jumping up and down. So beautiful. So, I, I have faith in him. I would like to see him start on oh, the yeah. uh, major league team. Because nice. yeah, also you have to remember, like our <laughs> our memory of Escobar last year is based off of that September. First of all, he's very lovable, but he was amazing. Oh, yeah. he, was the, he got the player of the month for September. Um, he had Famously, he had a really bad March through August. Yeah. He would have like a random hot like streak on a weekend. And then go cold again for the next like three weeks. I mean, March, August isn't that big of a deal. It's only, you know, 90% of the season. 90% of the season. You know, it starts off with like, oh, well, we get better once it heats up. Once the summer months come, that's when everyone gets better. And then remember it just that didn't in 2021? Remember how we kept saying that in 2021? Because we played all those cold games. And I was living in Colorado and they came out and they got snowed out. And their offense just never showed up. And it was like, well, it's the cold. Everywhere they go, it's cold. Once the summer comes, they'll get better. And the bats just stayed flaccid all year. Not only that, too, because, like, yeah, they had all those games canceled in, in like, March and April. So they had, like, extra games squeezed in, too, during that time, too. So there was no time to rest. And so they were just flaccid, and they couldn't rest. sucked. Yeah, it was bad for them. What an awful summer. Yeah, you know what? Best case scenario, I would love it if Brett Beatty gets the start, especially because Escobar, he, he can, you know, I think it solves a lot. I mean, I, I don't know. I like I like how deep our team is. I like a lot of flexible guys like Escobar and, um, and McNeil on the team who, you know, you could put him in the outfield. You have Tommy Pham now too. Mm-hmm. Alex? Yeah. Let's name some guys. 
you look, yeah, you look like you're uh, about to take a schnooze. You look like you're on the verge of falling asleep. So do you want to do you want to do some Mets legends? Let's name some guys. Okay, you have to you have to go easy on me because if you listened last week, you know that I'm not good at this. Even though I did guess yours very easily, but you did kind of name a prominent player. You you yeah. so it was a lay, it was a layup and it worked perfectly. Do you want to do the 20 questions things or since it's already an hour eight and do you want to just like name your guy? Um, oh, you know, it's funny because I forgot that. I forgot how you guys did it before the 20 questions thing. Yeah. Were you just always, naming? We, we would just name guys, but also the 20 questions thing is fun. Do you want to do the 20 questions thing? We could do that. Take like I got I, I got to let, let me at least I won't. I have someone for you that I want okay. you to guess. It's kind of, um, it's like almost a trick question. So I just, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna roll with it. All right. Okay. All right. Hit me with questions. Is he an outfielder? No. Is he a pitcher? Yes. Is he a starting pitcher? Yes. Did he play in the early aughts? Stop calling it that. <laughs> I learned what it meant like three weeks ago, and it's really exciting for me. And if you don't know what that means, because no one knows what that means, that means the 2000s. Did he play in the years between 2000 and 2009? Yes, he played in the aughts. Okay. Did he play in 2006? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. I, I don't know why I freak out so but like 2006 like I edit this part of the podcast so heavily because you know everyone takes time to think before they guess or whatever so I don't know I don't need to freak out I could just edit out the pause but keep in the um, oh god oh god yeah it's just my sheer terror for no reason no he was not on the Mets in 2006 okay did he play before did he play before 2006 no okay so after I'm I'm not great. Like Rob has such a wild trivia trivia member. Like I'm great at trivia. Like just ask any of the people I played on trivia with in New Paltz. I was on Dick <laughs> Squad. We were the best team in the world. Yeah. Um, I'll make sure I'm, to reach out to all those guys. Yeah, reach out to Dick Squad. <laughs> I was the ringer. Rob okay. has an unlimited capacity for notable and unnotable Mets players. Yeah. Sometimes I think he's lying. I'm like, that's not you just you just making this play. You made up, up a guy. Yeah. You just made up a guy. Yeah. What are you talking about? He's like, you don't know Franny Makovitz? He's like, <laughs> yeah. you made that up. It's like that's not a that's not a that's not a player. Uh <laughs> left handed? Yes. Oh. That doesn't mean anything to me. Um You want a hint? Wait, let me just say Victor Diaz. Okay. No. Okay. He played for the Mets. Separately, in the mid-aughts, and in the late 2010s. Um, is it, <laughs> you, is it uh, what's his name, Javier? Um, no. I feel like you know. I feel like it's in there, and maybe if it wasn't so late, you it would be coming to you. I also have ADHD, so like... <laughs> The way the brain works, it's very unique. <laughs> it's very, it's fun. It's like a fun. Who knows? I have what's a fun happen. brain. Yeah. Uh, Jason Vargas. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Yep. I knew you knew it. Yeah, that was a good hint. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Let me know when you got a guy. All right. Okay. I'm th- I'm thinking of a person. Okay. May I guess? Go go for it. Did he play in the aughts? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. But did he play? Was he also on the 2017 with, with Jason Vargas? On the 2017? Yeah. I I want to say no. Got to have the B ref open, bro. I know I've, I've opened up Wikipedia like an like an idiot, <laughs> like an anti nerd. Yeah. Okay, so we're not sure if he played in 2007. Um, I don't think he was on the Mets in 2007. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no with confidence. But he was alive in 2007. He was definitely alive in 2007. He was breathing. Okay. Yeah. Did he play before 2007? Yes. Infielder? No. Outfielder? Nuh-uh. Catcher? No. Starting pitcher? Yes. Okay. I really took a long time to get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Starting pitcher bef- pre-2007, between 2000 and 2007, uh, righty? Yes. Mm. <laughs> Right-handed Starting pitcher. I'm going to guess another year. Mm-hmm. Was he on the 2000 World Series team? No. I feel like you're catching me in the years that... Was he on the 2006 team? No. You're gonna, you're getting me in the years that I, I'm unfamiliar with. Um, I need a hint. I can't... I feel like I can't give you this hint because it's it's too good. I think... I don't think I'm smart enough. I think enough. when the Mets, like, when the Mets, me the the Mets traded him to the Pirates... People listening are probably like, it's this person, you idiot. And w- without without double-checking, I'm pretty sure the trade that he was involved in brought over John Mayne. I have no... No, it, I can't no even John Mayne is not involved. I cannot even think of who it might be. Um, okay, so I'll give you the big hint. Uh, known for having a very hot wife. Known for having a, having a very hot wife? She... she um, Every year the Mets do like a, a, a Christmas, like Santa Claus thing. And mm. I think Chris Benson was Santa Claus and his wife was Mrs. Claus. And she was very, it was very scandalous. Okay. So are you telling me it's Chris Benson? I'm telling you it's Chris Benson. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I told you. I'm like, this isn't. This isn't the, uh, of course I get stuck with being friends with the guys with the podcast that is about this very specific kind of Mets lore that is just lost on me. I know the guys from the last like 10 years. I'm no it's fun. It's funny too because I, f- I completely forgot about the Anna Benson stuff for like a very long time because it's like, I wasn't even like paying attention to girls like that in 2006 like when that happened or 2005 or whatever you know or i was and i was pretending i wasn't because i had catholic guilt and i was afraid uh (laughs) it was terrified all right well sorry i apologize to everyone involved here especially chris well actually especially anna benson yeah i'm looking at the line right now we have a lot of very angry phone calls but i'm not gonna bring it off the hook yeah yeah all right. Well, that seems like uh, an appropriate place to end this episode. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun, Eric. Uh, Rob, if you're out there, um, feel better and catch us next week when we uh, have the podcast live from the International Space Station. Uh, it'll be 
It had no, no, yeah, because it happens once every three years. It's going to be positioned exactly on top of City Fields, and you could see the apple from there. Mm, I yeah. did not know that. Well, unfortunately, I'm just the editor, and I'll just be waiting for the files. So that maybe sucks. they'll take a little bit longer from the ISS. But look forward to next week's episode, where hopefully Rob's tummy feels better, mm-hmm. and he hopefully can Rob be- has some ginger ale. On um, in the meantime, follow Alex on Twitter at seltzer underscore poppy. Mm-hmm. Follow me at the Eric Games. Follow the ghost of Rob Pearsall at RT Pearsall. And of course, follow at Mets Legends everywhere for if you're not like me and you actually know old Mets players, you might have fun with the account. But if you're like me, well, follow it anyway. You might learn a thing or two. It's fun to be part of the lore. Yes. I said that. Like, it's fun to be a part of the law. <laughs> All right. All right. So these guys, <laughs> these guys will talk to you next week. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.